today. Glad you're here at Great Hills Baptist Church. Uh, my name is Danny Forshe. I serve as the pastor here, and I don't normally bring my phone to church, but when I do, I want to invite you to do something. All of you have a phone or a tablet. I want you to take it out and go to Facebook and go to GHBC, and I want you to click share your live worship. Now, you say, Pastor, that is dangerous because I get my Facebook. I'm going to see all my friends, and I'm going to be talking to them, and I'm going to not listen to your sermon. Well, I'm just trusting that you take this out, and I've already done it, and you push share. And what this does is this shares with so many people all over the world that we're worshiping Jesus together. And uh, let, let me share some good news with you. It's really simple, by the way. Go to GHBC, live worship, and push share. Did you know last week we had four people pray to receive Christ at Great Hills Baptist Church. Two of them were online, were watching us online. Remember last week we said, type in the name Jesus if you want to accept Christ, and two of them did, and two of them… Now, come on, y'all help me. Is that not… Is that not… Is that not amazing? Wow, isn't that amazing? Thank you, Lord. Hey, it's Palm Sunday. We're glad that you are here. And uh, this is a triumphant day. This is the day that we celebrate when Jesus came on the donkey, and uh, He is entering in Jerusalem. Thank you, Mike. And <clears throat> man, they were saying, Hosanna, praise the Lord. He saves in their palm branches, and Jesus, there He is riding on a donkey. And he's going to teach this week. He's going to institute the Lord's Supper. One of his disciples is going to betray him. And then he is going to be crucified and then buried. But praise the Lord, that wasn't the end. Amen? It's up from the grave. Jesus Christ arose. And so we're going to celebrate as we do every uh, Lord's Day on Sunday. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. And here's the thought I had today. Were it not for the triumphal entry really the life of Jesus and His death on the cross, His resurrection and His ascension, had He not done any of that, we would not be here today. Think about that. We would not be a church. Now, I'm thinking Little C, Great Hills Baptist Church, but Big, big C, that is the church universal. And none of that would exist. We're not the Lord Jesus Christ. Were He not alive? Were he not, did He not come and die and rise? Had He not done any of those things, we would not be here today. But because He did, whoo, we are here celebrating His triumphant reign, His life, His ministry, His legacy, His resurrection, His ascension, and praise God, uh, His return. So again, we're glad that you're here. Thank you. And those of you that are watching us online, again, people all over the, the world from Asia to different parts of the country I'm thinking about, but I can't say because I don't want to give anybody away, but God bless you. We know you're out there. We love you. We're, we thank you for worshiping the Lord with us today. Okay, so we're studying the book of Acts, and if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Acts chapter 2, Church on the Move. And today, the title of the message is simply, I just love my church. And I think that's what Peter would have said if you were to interview him around A.D. 30, after the church had begun in prayer, and they waited on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came, and then they just exploded in growth. I mean, the church was just taking Jerusalem by storm. And if you were to pull Peter aside and say, hey, Apostle Peter, we know you're one of the original 12, and we know you're that great Pentecostal preacher up there preaching the gospel. Well, what's so special? What's so special about what's going on here in Jerusalem? And, and I think Peter would say the following words. 
Here's what we're all about. We continue steadfastly in. And so I'm in Acts 2, 42, and I'm going to share with you these, uh, these salient features of the early church, really the model church for every subsequent church and every epic Malu time frame. The church at Jerusalem, man, they got it right. I mean, they were unified, and they were passionate, and they were proclaiming Jesus Christ, and people were being saved and baptized, and then they were being sent out all over the world. And really, I want to hold up this church for us today and for all churches to say, by God's grace, let us imitate, let us mimic, let us emulate the example that they gave us in Acts chapter 2, okay? So we're in verse 42. I'm going to read the text, and I'm so excited because I'm, I just love this passage of Scripture. I've preached on this text before, and, and I, but every time I study it, I learn something. I learn something brand new. Okay, here we go. And they continued proskatereto. That is an interesting, interesting word. Continued steadfastly. It means to continue with discipline, with passion, to be assiduous, to say nothing is going to distract us. We are with passion, we are going to pursue the following things, and here they are. Number one was the apostles' didache or doctrine. Um, that would be that corpus, that body of material that the early church coalesced around. And they said, this is the life of Jesus. This is the death of Jesus and His resurrection. These are the parables of Jesus. These are the commandments of Jesus. We, the apostles, we were there. We heard it all. We saw it all. And you had to be an apostle or an associate of an apostle in order for your book to get into the Holy Scriptures, the canon of Scriptures. That was one of the primary criterion that you had to be an apostle or you had to be a close associate with an apostle. And if you were, and the Holy Spirit inspired you and wrote, and here's the church, they are gathered around. That's, that's so interesting to me. The very first thing that the early church celebrated and they gathered around, and it's what galvanized them as a church was doctrine, theology, what we believe. I think that's so very, very important. We'll talk more about that more. I, I got to read the text. Y'all quit distracting me, please. Quit, quit interrupting me, and, I, and I'll read the text, all right? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the koinonia, the sharing, the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, the Eucharist, and in much prayers, in praying. Then phobos, fear, awe, amazement came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed, okay, I got to, I got to, I got to be careful with it. I got to make sure I understand this. This is impossible, right? Because church just can't get along, right? It's impossible, especially a bunch of Baptists. We're going to argue about everything, right? But watch how unbaptistic this was. Everybody got along. Everybody agreed. Oh, my what? And they, and all who believed were together, and they had everything in common. Praise the Lord. And then they sold their possessions and their goods, and they divided them among anybody who had a need. So proskiterate, 
Proskatereo, that is that participle. It is a present participle. It's the same participle in verse 42. It raises its head again in verse 46. You translate it the absolute same way. With discipline and desire, being assiduous, being passionate, the early church did the following. Watch this. They were unified. Mm, 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 mm. Watch this up. They pursued with passion unity. With Let's say that prepositional phrase together. It's three words. It says, with one accord. Can we say that together on the count of three? Somebody said, that's how I know that uh, cars were in the New Testament because they all had accords. I know, that's, that's really cheesy. But y'all probably heard that before. On the count of three, with one accord. Ready? One, two, three. With one accord. Unity. The early church was unified. They were in the temple. And they broke their bread from house to house. Now, there's the Baptist, amen. They eating, they fellowshipping, breaking bread from house to house, going to church in the temple. They ate their food with gladness. A galiasis, it's an onomatopoeia. It's a beautiful word. It sounds lighthearted. It sounds fun. It was. Gladness and a feltos, simplicity. If you're interested, that's the only time that, that word is used in the entire Greek New Testament, simplicity. Smooth. It means to be as smooth as a stone. Simplicity of heart. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Y'all ready? Verse 47. Praising God. Mm. Praising God. This is the early church, the model church. This is what they pursued passionately. Praise God. And the charis, there's the word grace, and they had favor with all the people. Now watch that kind of church. What happens when the church is focused on those spiritual realities, the supernatural power of God, this this amazing unity? I mean, watch what happens. And the Lord added to the church. And by the way, He's the only one that can really grow a church or add to a church. It's, It's His doing. And the Lord added to the church daily those people who are being saved. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It is life to our flesh. It is health to our spirit. And we, Lord, we soak it in like people who are just parched, thirsty for physical water. Lord, we are parched spiritually for the living water, for your word, God, to soak deep within our souls. Lord, why? Because we need you. And Lord, some of the folks I'm preaching to today, whether it's here or online, Lord, they're just, they're just worn out. God, they are desperate for a word from God. Lord, they don't really need to hear from me. They certainly don't need to hear um, that everything's okay and uh, life, you know, really it just appears to be hard. It's not really hard. No, Lord, they need reality. They need, they need to hear, Lord, that yes, life is just pitiful sometimes, but Jesus is wonderful all the time. And because of Jesus and how wonderful He is, we're going to be all right. We are going to make it. Not only going to make it, but we're going to survive and thrive. And it's because of Christ in us. So, Lord, would you take this message on this mm, mm, Palm Sunday? It's a triumphant Sunday. It's a Sunday, Jesus, because of what you did. We get to celebrate and we get to worship and we get to, we get to gather as an ecclesia, a church. And so, God, I pray that you would use me as a, 
as, as, as Lord, your mouthpiece and that, and that, Lord, I would just be fading into anonymity. And the voice that people hear would be the voice of God speaking through the Word of God and the messenger of God. And that, Lord, when the time comes when we stand to our feet and sing praise once again, Lord, may it happen that those dejected souls, Lord, those that it was just tough, tough for them to get here today. And Lord, Lord they're, they're struggling and they're battling temptation and they, and they, and Lord, their marriages aren't what they, where they need to be and, and their finances aren't good and their kids are giving them a hard time. Their health is not really good. And it just took everything within them to get here. God, would you bless them? Would you encourage them? Holy Spirit, would you come down and would you do all that you desire to do? For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today um, I got a lot I want to share with you because there's a lot in these verses. So the first thing I want to share with you is the spiritual realities. Number one, I'm going to list for you eight or nine the salient features, the key attributes or characteristics of the early church then. But watch this now. This is not, this is not just an intellectual enterprise. I'm not, I'm not up here just to, to take you through a Bible study and say, I want us to have so much knowledge and I just want it to stop right there. I just want our brains to be full of doctrine and orthodoxy and theology. And by the way, all of that is good. And I love doctrine and theology, but here's the deal. I want us to so encounter doctrine and theology that it absolutely changes the way we live our lives. I don't want my mind to be so full and my heart to be so empty. So here are these key characteristics. Here are the things that they, they rallied around, that galvanized them, that they said, this is what constitutes a true body, a church. Number one is doctrine. It's true. It's important. The Greek word didache. You ever heard the word didasco or didactic? Maybe you've heard that. Didactic means teaching. And the apostles' doctrine was really this, this corpus of material. It was the sacred material that the apostles saw with their eyes, wrote it down with a sacred pen through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Today we know it as this. We, we know it as the New Testament. And we have it. We have the doctrine. We have the apostles' writings. And it was sufficient and good enough for the early church. And I would argue today it is sufficient and good enough for us. Hey, by the way, my job up here today, my job is not creation. My job is perpetuation. My job up here today is not to find some, ooh, man, some cool, slick, inside, man, groovy, groovy, check this out. Man, I got this newfound thing I got to share with you. No, 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 I, I don't have nothing new. All I've got is what the early church had. That's the Bible. That's the Word of God. They were, they were writing it. We get to read it and preach it. Can you say amen? amen. They wrote it. We read it. We live it. It's the doctrine. Here's what Jude said. Jude said in verse 3, we are to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all. Stay with me. Once and for all, it was delivered to the saints. 
So again, my job is not up here to entertain you or to say, whoo, I got some really cool, slick insight. Man, look how creative I am. Just look how amazing I am. No. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God, still in the process of being sanctified by God, still messing up and sinning and saying, God, please have mercy on my soul. God, please forgive me for thinking that thought, saying that word. Please help me because you know what? It, it, oh, is it coming to me? Can I remember it? Oh, I remembered it. Listen to this. Listen to this. Oh, this is a good word. It's not about the pastor. It's about the master. Mm, mm, mm. Isn't that good? It's not about the pastor. It's about the master, and we're studying him, and we are preaching Jesus. We're lifting him up because he said, when you lift me up, I will draw all people to myself. Oh, man. Should I skip this? I'm not sure. What time is it? Oh, I'm not going to skip it. I got time. Here we go. The early church... I'm going to help you. This is going to help us distinguish between the early church and the modern church. The early church was consumed with Christology. The modern church is consumed with anthropology. You see, what's the difference? Christos, the study of who? Christ. That's Christology. They were consumed with it. It was all about Jesus. It was all about Him. His life, His death, His resurrection. Watch this. His commandments. The great commandment, love God, love your neighbor. The great commission, go and make disciples. But the 21st century church, especially in the West, we're consumed with anthropology, the study of anthropos, which is the Greek word for man. We're more concerned about our needs. We're more concerned about our hang-ups and how, how religion might, might be able to anesthetize our pain. And so maybe when I come to church, I will get a pep talk, I will get a psychological babbling from the, from the leader up there, and maybe my pain will be anesthetized, and maybe then I can, I can go out and just survive and make it through one more week. Can I just tell you something? Jesus Christ did not die on a cross and rise from the dead just so you could survive. And no, He didn't. He died and arose from the dead not to fill heaven with a bunch of wimps, but with some warriors, brothers and sisters. I mean, some, some people who are on fire for God and they have a passion for God and they, and they look different, they sound different, they walk different, and they have the Holy Spirit of God living in them. And, I, and I, I'm consumed with Christ making Him known and exalting Him because as I make Him known and exalt Him and He reveals Himself to you, you're going to be okay. <laughs> you're going to be blessed, really blessed. Oh, stomp my foot and hurt my foot. Amen. That's a fellowship, number two. The second spiritual reality is fellowship. Isn't that interesting? In verse 42, they, they dedicated themselves steadfastly to doctrine and fellowship. That is interesting to me. Of all the things the Holy Spirit could list number two, <laughs> He listed this. Now, you're familiar with the Greek word koinonia. You know what that word means? 
You see, it means frying the Baptist bird, brother, getting some chicken. Let's get it on, man. Let's have a fellowship and get some banana pudding. Do y'all know what banana pudding is? Y'all, y'all. They have that in California, banana pudding? Hey, banana pudding's amazing. I've got a birthday coming up in August. I'm just saying. If any of you know how to make banana pudding, I will eat it. I just love it. But that's really not what that word means. That word means, do you know what the root word koinonia means? It means to share. It means to share your life. It means, are you doing okay? You're not? Let me pray with you. Let me encourage you. You see, the thing that's going on in in the first century in Jerusalem is this is a strictly prohibited religion. If you name that name, the the same thing that happened to him is going to happen to you. You you get me? If you preach that name that caused all this uproar, and you create this sect, and these people who claim in this far-fetched idea that he somehow bodily rose from the dead, and he is Lord, and Caesar's not Lord, you do that, the same fate that, that got him will get you. That's the context. So you lost your job, you lost your social standing, you were ostracized, you were persecuted. The church is all you had. I was thinking this morning, if I were to say this, this would probably get me in trouble. But I think it's true. Probably one of the best things that could happen to the church in America is for us to be persecuted. Then we would quit playing church. We would quit coming to church for a pep talk, and we would run here thirsty. We're not thirsty. We're not hungry because we're so satiated. We're so full. We're so spiritually obese that we're like, I'm okay. Everything's okay. And I think a little bit of spiritual fitness and persecution would probably do us really. Listen, the church in China is exploding. The church in the Middle East, they can't contain it. So many Muslims are coming to faith in Christ within the crucible of persecution. People say, well, the church just ain't growing, Brother Danny, in America. It's just suffering. Look at, look at Austin. Ninety-some percent of the people, they don't, they don't care. They don't go to church. That's not the case around the world. When people are being persecuted and they're going, let me get with my brothers. Let me get with my sisters. I have lost my job and I could lose my life, but I'm not alone. I'm not alone, man. I got people that love me and believe in me, and I want to hang out with them. Man, that's church. That's why he put fellowship. It's not just frying the Baptist bird and eating banana pudding as much as I enjoy that. It's deeper than that. It's me sharing my life with you. How are you doing? I'm not doing good. Well, I want to pray with you. What do you need? Well, I need help, and I, I actually need some financial help. Let me help you. You say, where is that in the church? Let's keep reading. Selling their possessions and helping each other. Third is the Eucharist. Do you read that in verse 42? And they continued steadfastly, assiduously, passionately with the breaking of the bread. Here we have the Lord's Supper. It was something they did constantly. In the temple precinct, in house to house, an integral part of their worship was the Lord's Supper. Eat this bread, Jesus said. Drink this wine. 
Friday, this Friday, Good Friday at noon, <clears throat> I'm inviting you right now to come. It's amazing how many people show up at Good Friday at Great Hills Baptist Church. I love it. You look at your clock, say, I'm checking off work right now. I'm going to take an hour. I'm going to go to church. And we're going to preach a little. We're going to sing a little. We're going to absorb, absorb. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And then we're going to send you back out to your job and your recreation or whatever you're doing. It's called the Good Friday service. And then that night, about 14,000 of our buddies were all coming together down at the Frank Irwin Center. And we're going to, man, it's fun. If you haven't done the Good Friday service, and listen, it's worth the pain of traffic. <laughs> and it's traffic. And you're like, oh, man. Well, just get there when you can. And Brother Terry, our own pastor, Terry Hurt, is leading the whole choir, and he's going to be leading out in a praise and worship, and I'm going to get to share just a little bit. Listen, they won't let me teach, but they will let me read the Scripture. I think they're afraid if I start speaking, I'll never shut up. So I'm, I'm, I, at least I get to read the Word, all right? I get to read the Word of God, and, and then for king and country, he's going to sing afterward. God only knows. God only knows. <laughs> Say about you. That's oh, it's gonna be fun. It's number one. Christian contemporary music. It surpassed mercy me. It's number one. God only knows. Yeah. Anyhow, you come. Number four is prayer. Woo. Forty-two. Verse forty-two. And it says, and and it says, in the prayers. In the Greek, it literally reads, and in the prayers, Jesus said, "My house will be called a house of what." Preaching, no. Fellowshipping, arguing, debating. Thank you. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And when the emphasis is on prayer, we don't worry about arguing and debating and splitting and, and fracturing. We're praying, we're focused on Jesus and his doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of the bread. <clears throat> Stay with me. We're so busy doing the things of God that we should do. We don't have time to do the things that we shouldn't be doing because we're focused. We're focused, laser focused on Him. Prayers. Oh, Matthew 21, 13. My house should be called a house of prayer. Number five, if you're taking notes, man, good luck. I know I'm going fast. Is unity. They devoted themselves with intensity and urgency to verse 46 now is where I am. Verse 46 says, remember that's that key word, that continuing, proskitereto, that is that prefacing word, which our English translations don't bring it out, but the Greek has it. In verse 46, it's the same verb in verse 42. Do you see it where it says, and continued steadfastly? Verse 46, it should read, and continued steadfastly, daily with unity. Isn't that sweet? They, they were a unified bunch. No schisms, divisions, fractions, splits, arguments with one accord. John 17, 21, Jesus said, when y'all get along, things are going to get really sweet. That's my translation, by the way. When you love one another, then the world believes that the Father has sent the Son. Wow. Unity. There's not a whole lot of things I take more seriously in the church than unity. The only thing I take more seriously than unity is doctrine. But unity, getting along, setting aside our preferences and the 
tangential differences and the tertiary things that sometimes just kind of mount up with us. And we just say, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to love my brother. I, I, don't, I don't like her sometimes. I don't like him sometimes, but that's okay. I love them all the time. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're rallying around the same clarion call of make disciples. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ. We're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Man, there's so much that we are agreeing on. I don't have time. I don't want to waste my time on the things that we disagree on. So unity. Number six, ooh, this is interesting. I did not know this until I really started studying this text. And studying people that are a whole lot smarter than me, like John MacArthur and F.F. Bruce, they said, did you know that evangelism was a key component of the early church in Acts chapter 2? And I was like, I don't, I don't see it. Where is it? Bruce points out, he said, this, this was part of the reason why they went to the temple. Quote, for public worship and public witness. Wow. So they didn't go to the temple just to hear the apostles' doctrine. They went to the temple to make a statement that we're here to worship. If you want to arrest us, you're going to have to arrest thousands of us. If you're going to crucify us, you're going to have to, cru- you're going to, have to get a lot of crosses because we are together. We are solidified. We're rallying around our King Jesus. And people saw that. And then they started sharing and speaking the Word of God. And people were like, well, I'm a sinner. Do you think Jesus died for me and He could save me? Yes, He can. And so they're there, they are there evangelizing. It's a beautiful combination that still works today. Watch this. Born-again believers. <laughs> on fire for their faith, inviting people to come to Jesus, come to church. The pastor stands up and preaches the Word of God, and people are saved. Gerardo Visa was his name. He's 22 years of age, Atlanta, Georgia, from Peru, a Catholic. He kind of joked. He said, Catholics, whatever that is. He said, I don't, I don't believe anything. And his buddy, was a, his roommate, was a Christian. He said, the thing that fascinated me about my college roommate, or I think they had actually graduated from college, was he loved to sleep. He, he just, I'd never met anybody that loved to sleep as much as my college roommate. But on Sunday morning, he would hit that alarm, get himself out of bed and go to church. And Gerardo said, I would watch him and go, you fool, what are you doing? It's Sunday, we sleep in on Sundays. And his roommate would say, no man, you need, Gerardo, you need to come with me. He goes, I'm not, no. So finally, after weeks and weeks of watching his, his, his roommate go to church, he says, okay, I'll go. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> he said he went to church, and he says, I just had a horrible attitude. I didn't believe in any of this. He said, I'm a mathematician. I'm a physicist. He, he was kind of proud of himself. He's all about logic and all about the empirical and what you can see, touch, taste, feel it. And he goes, if I can't touch it and taste it and feel it, I don't believe in it. I don't even think it exists. And so he had this chip on his shoulder. He goes to church and he goes, wow, wow. He said, this is interesting. He said, this is very interesting. And he said, and they, he said well, you think this is cool? Why don't you come to a Bible study? A bunch of people our age will go to a Bible study together. He goes, okay, okay, I'll go. And Gerardo went and he said, I hated it. 
He said, they were talking, they were talking about the Bible. And I was like, I don't even believe in the Bible. Why, why are y'all so focused on the Bible? And then he said, in my distaste for it, I felt like I ought to study it so that I could prove them wrong. By, by the way, that is a bad mistake. Whenever you want to read the Bible to study it and critique it, the Holy Spirit will grab a hold of you. He will change your mind. And here's this mathematician, this physicist, and he starts reading it. He goes, oh, and he got enamored with it. And so his roommate buddy said, hey, you want to go back to church with me? He said, yes. He, listen to this, true story. He went to church and the pastor preached on, y'all ready for this? the Trinity. And he loved it. He appreciated the fact that a pastor was up there wrestling with something that the mortal mind of man could never fully comprehend. And Gerardo, would go, he said, I like that. This guy, he is dealing with something that is incredibly complex and difficult. I think I'll become a Christian. And he got saved. He gave his life to the Lord after hearing the preacher preach on the Trinity. My word. Aren't you glad that when he went to church, finally the preacher didn't say, I'm okay, you're okay. Here are the 10 ways to soar in life. Here are the 18 ways that you can step across your competition and get ahead in this thing called life. Amen. No, 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 preacher of the gospel. You listening to me, preacher out there? Preach the Word of God. It'll always, it'll always do what God intends it to do. Just faithfully read it, teach it, preach it, even the hard stuff, and watch what Almighty God will do. Gerardo Visa, age 22, Atlanta, Georgia, got saved listening to the Trinity. My, my, my. What a, what a mighty God we serve. Number seven. You say seven, brothers. This is a little much, don't you think, Brother Dan? We got three points is, is good, you know? How about, how about seven? And, and I'm so creative. Look what I said number seven or G is. More fellowship. I didn't know what else to say. I, I had somebody critique my sermons not long ago, and they said, you need to be a little more creative in, in the development of the outlines. I know, but I don't have a lot of creativity. I, I, it's more fellowship. There you go. There you have it. Koinonia. Now, this time... I want you to see this, verse 46. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, watch this, from house to house. Now that's interesting. It could mean Eucharist, Lord's Supper, but I think it means what you think it means. Do you mean they actually enjoyed hanging out, being in, in one another's homes and eating one another's meals and just, just hanging out? Like, do you think that really is what that means? Yes, that's what I think that means. What a beautiful thing. When we as the church, we, we love each other and we say, well, what are you doing? Well, let's go to dinner. Or let's go, let's go hang out together. And that's, that's, what, that's what is going on in verse 46. And it added to the depth of the church. Now, the word translated gladness, agaliasis, that's a beautiful word, isn't it not? It means to rejoice with exceeding joy. When it says in verse 46, they broke bread from house to house, they ate their food with such joy. See, that's why I think it's fellowship, because when you have the Lord's Supper, it's more contemplative, right? You're ruminating, you're, you're cogitating, you're thinking on the depth of the crucified Christ. But this text says they're rejoicing and they're eating and, and they're having a good time with one another. And they're just like, man, this is, this is fun. 
You know, being with the people of God, this is, this is fun. I don't need six martinis. I got the Holy Spirit in you. You know what somebody told me this week? They said, somebody drinks six martinis, they're not going to come listen to you preach. That's what they told me. I said, why is that? They're not, they're not going to they feel something's not right. Because if you have one foot in the world and you got one foot in church, that's painful. I got to stop. That's just painful. That's hurting my, my groin muscles, you know what I'm saying? When's the last time you heard groin in a sermon? I don't know. <laughs> but th this lady told me this. In, in honesty and in sincerity, she goes, you're preaching the Bible and carnal Christians, they don't, they're not coming to Great Hills Baptist. They don't want to hear you. So I took my ministerial card and my diploma, and I turned it in and quit. No! No! Heavens, no! Preach the Word. Love the people. And maybe God will convict them out of the six martinis and get them down to one. I don't know. Maybe God will work on them so that they'll say, you know what, I don't need that as much as I need Jesus, and I need His church, and I need His people, and... Mm -mm. I need the Holy Spirit of God. He doesn't lift me up and make me have a hangover. He lifts me up and keeps me up. He blesses my soul. And so we're talking about fellowship, and i got to keep going. Number eight is worship. Praising God, Pastor Terry. Praising God. What does that mean? I think it means to sing. I think it means to live. They worshiped, right? They worshiped God. Worship. It's one of the spiritual realities of a vivacious, vibrant, attractive church. I don't know about y'all, but last Sunday was just absolutely cool when Terry messed up. I'm just going to tell you. I, I, just, I just thought it was the coolest thing. He could not find the pitch or the whatever y'all musicians call it. He tried three times like the Trinity. He couldn't get it. He just, he kept, and finally David came up and, and put the bright pitch on. And Terry and I were talking about this in our staff meeting. And, and here's what he said. He said, did you, and I said, did you notice what happened after that? I never heard Great Hills Baptist Church sing like that. There was a joy there. It was palpable. It was enthusiastic. And Terry said, I told my wife, Debbie, if it takes me messing up every Sunday for the church to sing like that, I'll do it. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But we hope you don't mess up every Sunday, but we, we, think that's, we think that's cool when you don't. Number two, say, so what in the world was number one? Help me, brother. I, I'm not sure myself. Let me look. A spiritual realities. And we gave you eight spiritual realities of the early church. Number two is supernatural power. My, my, my. You said, I thought you skipped that verse for a reason. I ain't skipping no verse. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. What does that mean? That means they're raising people from the dead, they're having exorcisms, they're having healings, and it's on, on, on. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It don't matter whether you know about that. That's what they did. I mean, they, they were healing people. And, and, and they were casting out demons, and those people in Jerusalem were going, what? What is that? Raising people from the dead? Yeah. Jesus said, by the way, you're, you'll do these kind of things. And when a bunch of people are doing them in his name, then Jesus says, well, y'all are doing greater works than me. Because we're, the, the sheer exponential number, the size of people out 
preaching the gospel. Demons are fleeing. Holy Spirit is coming. Dead are being raised. Leprosy's being jettisoned. And, and miracles are happening. You're like, well, where is that today? Middle East, India, Africa, and China. It's happening. I've seen it. Miracles of God. Why isn't it happening in America? Because we don't believe. <laughs> we, we, we're too sophisticated. We're too intellectual. We're too rational, right? We got PhDs and MDs and all these Ds. We got all this. And we, we don't need God to do that. We just need our comfy, cozy, six martini religion. I'm okay. I'm, o I'm okay. I'm not okay. Man, I want, I want to see it all. I want to see God just do whatever God desires and wants to do. And I, I just long for the miraculous. Having said that, do you know what the greatest miracle of all is? Is when somebody gets born again. Now that is happening. It's happening in this text. It's happening all over this world when the Spirit of God comes in to a person. They quit beating their wife. The wife quits having fornication and multiple affairs. And the kids get off of marijuana and pornography and they're different and people are like, what in the world has happened to you? What kind, what happened? So I got Jesus. What? Jesus came in my life and I'm, I'm just different. Don't want to beat my wife anymore. I want to love my wife. I don't want to sleep around anymore. God took that desire from me. I don't, I don't need some joint, Mary Jane, smoky, smoky, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. I was swimming through Barton Creek Pool the other day, and I experienced what it is. I never smelled something like this. Like, what is that? I inhaled it and swam like a fish. I just kept, wow, wow, wow. I'm just kidding. Please, I, please. I just know it was a funky smell. I never smelled that in my life. I wouldn't know what that was if you, if you blew it in my face until two weeks ago. And I think I, I think I experienced it. There's a lot of young people there. And there was a lot of stuff going on, but I was just, I was just trying to swim my two and a half miles. And we did it, Gary. We did it. Two weeks from yesterday, would y'all pray for me that I live, I survive this Ironman triathlon? So you've lost your ever-loving mind. What else is new? You know, you, you, <laughs> just please pray for me because the swim, and Cindy asked me some bless her heart. She prayed for me, and God has taken a lot of that fear away. Just pray he takes it, takes it all away. Supernatural power. When a person gets saved, that is the greatest miracle of all. I got a lot here, and if you're interested, we'll, we'll give you the manuscript. I just want to be sensitive to our time. If I have time, I'll come back to that. Okay, number three is spontaneous sharing. Do you notice it's spontaneous? Verse 44, when everybody who believed were together and they had everything in common, they sold their possessions. What? And their goods. They sold their possessions. The Greek word for possessions there means, you ready for this? Real estate, personal property, and things you own. 
The early church sold those things and gave them to anybody who had a need. You don't read the church doing this any other time. So this is not a principle or a precedent that we ought to practice all the time. But when the Holy Spirit inspires you to do it, you are to do it. The closest thing you'll find to them doing this again is a man by the name of Barnabas. In Acts 4.36, he sold his land and he gave it to the church. So, if God impresses on you to sell something and get rid of something because you want to help a brother or a sister in need, then by all means, you ought to do it. Spontaneously. Holy Spirit moment. I have so much and you have so little. Well, that's not right. He said, be careful, Pastor. Be careful. Because the Bible doesn't endorse socialism, and I know it doesn't. But it does endorse if a brother has a need, help him. If a sister is down and she's a member of Great Hills Baptist Church and you have the financial means to help, help. Thank y'all. Not pointing out any names, but I just know some big time examples where some of you really practice this. You believe this. And let me tell you this. I've yet to meet a person who's a member of Great Hills Baptist Church and they have been blessed and they had a need, and another church member blessed them and helped them, I've yet to meet one, just one, who said, I don't know about that church anymore. I, I kind of feel led to leave, and I feel like I need to go somewhere else. They never do that. Never do they do that. They're like ingrained. They're like the cement. They don't move. They are like, that's my church, man. That's my church. You can't uproot me. You can't dynamite explode me out of there because that's my church because people love me and they help me. When we do more of that, I wonder if we'll have less of that back door. I just, you know, it's not meeting my needs anymore and things are just not the same. And I just don't think, God, I don't think God's leading me to Great Hills Baptist Church anymore. <laughs> oh, my word. If I had a dime, I'd be a gazillionaire. I just don't know. I think maybe it's time for us to move on, you know. I don't know it's not time. I don't think God's really in that. I think if, ooh, come on. If God really led you here and the Holy Spirit planted you here, and do you think your preferences are a big enough need that he would move you away? Let me answer that question. Uh-uh. No. But I don't like you. You irritate me. <laughs> do I irritate you or do the Holy Spirit convict you? I've yet to meet one of them, one person who left who said, man, that church, they helped me in my time of need. Spontaneous sharing. I got one more and then we're done. Again, here's this really creative preacher you have, special impact. What does that mean? Well, 43 and 47. Then fear came upon every soul. Hmm. Fear, awe, amazement came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That's one of the impacts. I like what John MacArthur says at this point. He said, this, they weren't awed by the church because of its buildings, its programs, or anything reflecting human ability, but by the supernatural character of its life. Ooh, that's a good quote. And here's a question I have, and this, this convicts me, and I hope it convicts you. Is God doing anything at Great Hills Baptist Church that can only be attributed to God? 
Or, or do we manufacture things and, and we don't need Him? We, we got this. Well, the former, I hope is true, and actually I, I know that it's true. I'm going to tell you something, church. I don't know if y'all know this or not. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, Terry, but so why don't you come up and say it? He's looking at me like I have no idea what you're talking about. Staff, y'all know what I'm about to say. Man, man, oh man. Oh, Jesus. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Can I just say it and then be done? Is that okay? All right, we'll say it. We'll be done. Here it comes. I prayed so many times in my life, God, put me where you can use me the most. That is a dangerous prayer. I highly recommend you don't pray that prayer unless you mean it. Because the Holy Spirit will, Brother Mark, he'll say, okay, watch this. He'll take you down to nothing. We were close. This year would be the year we we're going to lay off a lot of our staff. And they have no idea that it was about to go down. I've done that once before at Great Hills Baptist Church. And I want to tell you, the panic attacks I received, thank God for medication. Excuse me, brother. Medication preacher, you need to depend on the Holy Spirit. I do, and medicine. If you have a problem with that, just talk to my wife. And she's glad. She's happy. Happy spouse, happy house. Amen. Because we were on a $57,000 a month wreck. Reserves were going to be gone. Come on, Lisa, you know what I'm about to say. Our only other, we had to pay the $57,000 a month or the bank would foreclose on us. We'd lose everything. But we don't have to pay salaries. I'd, I'd probably take a big hit. I might be the only one left. And that was probably going to happen this year. But God. Amen. But God. said, was it that bad? Yeah, it was that bad. I don't know if y'all know this, but two plus two never equals 18. I've tried really hard to make it happen. It just never equals 18. It always equals four. And if you don't have enough money to pay your bills, Nate, then we're in big trouble. Nate, he says, Pastor, I have as many sleepless nights as you. How would you like to have been the accountant at Great Hills Baptist Church when 2019 rolled around? That was going to be a tough, tough time. We might have made it through 19, but by, at least by 2020, there was, we were not going to make it financially. He said, man, God's, God's amazing. He, he led you here, and, and look, look, look what that, how, how does that make you feel? Say, glory to God. Glory to God. I don't have to make it. The gospel has to make it. I'm indispensable. I come easy. God can take me easy. But this much I know. God intervened. We don't owe $7 million like we do when I first came. We have a million dollars in reserves. In, well, actually, we got more than that. 
You say, how did that happen? Well, you can thank some people like, well, I can't mention names. They asked me not to mention names, but some people. God knows of them. You say, but I didn't think God did miracles anymore. Yes, He does. He does miracles. And we today are a living testimony of the miraculous deliverance of God for Great Hills Baptist Church. No, you don't have to sell your property. No, you don't have to move up to Leander. No, you get to stay right here at 10,500 Jollyville because Almighty God said, that's my church. I'm delivering that church, and y'all are staying right there. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I don't... Amen. That's, that's a good time. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to celebrate this, y'all, but we're supposed to have a holy hootenanny party without martinis. It's going to happen. It's going to be fun. And we're going to, uh, I don't know what that looks like. I think we're going to look back, some history, we're going to have some testimonies, and I don't even know what day we're going to do this. But don't you think we, we need to do this? There is a text I have that Terry sent me this week. It says, paid in full. And Great Hills Baptist Church is totally out of debt. And we need to show y'all that. And we need to call the fire department because we're going to have a big old bonfire, right? And we burn that note or however we're going to retire that. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. So, Jesus, I just, I just want to stop and before we sing another song, before we do any other thing, just want to say what a mighty God we serve who loves us, who uses us in spite of us. And Lord, it's like the older I get and the more I live, I, I understand Paul more where he says, and I was the chief of sinners and God had mercy on me and God continues to have mercy on me. So, Lord, we just want to stop and give you praise. We want to honor you. We want to worship you because, Jesus, you did something that humanly was impossible. We were on a collision course with the financial reality, and God, you stepped in. And, Lord, we thank you. And we, we praise you for four people saved right during this time last week. And we pray for those people. And we pray for more, God. We pray that there would be more who would experience the supernatural saving power of Christ. And if you're here today and you're watching online and you would say, I want that God, I want Him to supernaturally intervene in my life, He will. He will in ways that will blow you away. He will do things. Now, here's the thing about God that I'm learning. He will do miraculous things so that He gets all the glory. And that's just the how he rolls. I, that's how he goes. So if you recognize today that you're a sinner and you need him, call out to him. It could be something as simple as, Jesus, I can't do it. Please help me. And he will. And if you're online and you're like, that's what I'm praying. I'm asking Jesus to help me. Then just say, type it. Say, Jesus, help me. If you're here in this sanctuary and you're saying, Jesus, help me, help my marriage. Help our finances, God. Help us, help our kids, God. Help my grandkids, God. We need you and, and call out to the Lord. Listen, God is not far away. God is near. 
Maybe during this invitation, you, you come and connect with the Lord in a special way. Maybe you just come at this altar and, and you just pray to Him and you talk to Him. And maybe there are people who will gather around. Maybe a church, be in the church. Help you. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Lord, I feel like so many times it feels so inadequate just to say thank you. I don't know what else to say, God. I, I don't accept. I appreciate. I'm eternally grateful for the rescue of this church from ruin. And I thank you, God. Thank you for the people of God. Lord, I'm just sitting here in my mind. I'm reminiscing 60 plus years of people giving, sacrificing, serving, doing without, turning in their jewelry, selling their cars, and doing all those radical things because they loved Great Hills. And God, you have taken that bowl of tears and sacrifice and you've received it into yourself and now you're saying, now watch what I'll do. And we thank you, Lord. We, I, I just thank you. Thank you. Lord, we are praying. Praying for souls today to be saved. We're praying for lives to be touched. We're praying for church members who are offended Still offended, Lord. Still upset. God, help them get over that. Help them see, God, it's a bigger, bigger deal. Help them to be grounded. Help them to be loved. Help them to experience. Lord, maybe they're so upset because they just haven't really embraced the true love of God. How much you love them. And maybe there are people here today, Lord, that say, good night. How do you get involved in that church? I want to be a part of a church where God shows up and, and God delivers. Unless God delivers, nothing happens. That, that's us. Hello. You're welcome. You can come. Well, I invite you to our new members class. It's about to start in a couple of weeks. It's called Discover Great Hills. You can line up, sign up, show up, and come on, and we'll take you. And Father, we pray now in Jesus' name, you would have your way. Do whatever you want to do in this moment. In Jesus' name, we pray, and all God's people said together, amen, amen. Terry, you lead us, and we'll have our invitation.